High in the hills of Sicily, the De Costa family has been making cheese using methods passed down for generations. When Lorenzo Di Costa first started breeding his mutated chickens, people in the village of San Nicola didn't know what to think. But soon, the udders on his chickens were producing the rich, yellow chicken milk that gives Di Costa its unmistakable neurological flavors. And if you haven't had Di Costa chicken cheese, you're not alone. Because for generations, Di Costa chicken cheese has been patiently accumulating in our cellars. Di Costa chicken cheese, from our family to your mouth, as soon as import restrictions on mutated chicken milk are lifted. You're listening to Questionable Material, produced in New York by Jack Helmuth and Brian Sack. QMPodcast.com. Recruiting office. Hi, I was wondering um, what your requirements are and if they've been lowered yet. Uh, well, it depends on which branch of the service you, you're interested in. Do you have a preference? I mean, there's there's Army, there's Navy, there's the Air Force, Marine Corps, there's Space Force, there's Fun Force, uh, there's Spec Ops. Uh, yeah, no, maybe if we just go back one. Um, I'm not a fa- I'm I'm a big fan of um, being alive, and I was wondering maybe if Fun Force was something that might be a little bit more uh, my speed. Yeah, well, actually, Fun Force was started because there were a lot of people who had a problem with putting themselves in danger. Yeah, they liked the concept of of the military. They liked the the concept of serving your country and and people saying thank you for your service, but they didn't want to risk their lives. Yeah, here's so, the thing. Yeah. When I go to airports, yes. I want to wear my fatigues and everyone to smile at me and to like have people offer me their first class seats because I'm in my fatigues. But now here's the key component of that. I don't want to fire guns at people because then they fire them back at me. Yeah, well, that that is, is a huge issue in the military where people do return fire. Yeah, uh, we, we've hated that uh, for a long time. We haven't known what to do about it. Uh, we've asked kindly uh, if they would please put their arms down, l- allow us to come in and uh, kill them as necessary. And does that not work? It doesn't work. You you get you very seldom get any kind of monsters. Yeah, no nobody seems to work with you. And again, I love my country, but it's more like I like love my country, not like love love my country. So this really is feeling like a good fit for me. Yeah, well, this is this is really good for people who do kind of love their country and and don't want to fully commit, uh, don't want to make the ultimate sacrifice, uh, but do like that little the swagger you get when you have fatigues on and people looking at you like, oh, you're you're serving your country, and you can uh, yeah be like, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I don't mind a few sacrifices like doing the dishes like yeah. more often than is my turn. Ultimate sacrifices are not my bag. Yeah. And we, we, that is an overwhelming uh, comment we get when we send out surveys after any kind of uh, battle uh, with, with fatalities. We, the after action report comes out and there's always a little survey at the bottom. How was your experience oh. in this battle? And there's a, a happy green face and there's a mm-hmm. angry 
red face and then there's a neutral yellow face. And mm-hmm. it allows me, and, and almost always when there are fatalities, we get that it was a negative experience. They are not happy about it. And, and we try to work with them. We, that's why Fun Force was created. I was wondering about, you know, some of the duties that will be required of me. In Fun Force? Yes, please. Well, I mean, obviously uh, you're deployed anywhere in the world that Fun Force is needed. Uh, you might be deployed to, say, Euro Disney. Oh, to, to man, pr- to protect. that's the ultimate sacrifices, right? Yeah. So you're going to be in France. You might not like it there, but you're going to make sure to protect the amusement park. Legoland, uh, you, know, you might be sent there at the a moment's there. notice. Okay, go on. Pretty much anywhere, like beaches, you'll defend mm-hmm. the beaches for tanning. Now, now defending, I mean, okay, so fine. I understand that I'm serving my country and that I'm sacrificing a lot. This already feels like uh, too much, but- what sort of, how am I defending these places? Well, I mean, if you see an enemy of fun, so say Taliban or ISIS, or Al-Qaeda, if you mm-hmm. see them strolling on the beach, you're going to go right up to them and just wave your little finger at them. And they're going to see those colorful camos and they're going to know you're backed up with the full United States military and that you're with fun force. And, oh. you know, these guys, they wouldn't know fun if fun came up, came up to them with a, a sweatshirt that said fun and said, hi, I'm fun. These guys don't know fun. No, I, I guess not. This, the, um, I was thinking that I would go to one of these places, even a, a shithole like Euro Disney, and I would go and wag my finger at like a dad who's sort of being a downer and real and, and explain to him like, sir, this is just meant to be a fun place for everybody. Just cool out. Maybe go easy on your kids this week. But you're talking about like actual armed combatants. Well, it has been known to happen. If, if you are deployed, if one of our fun forest forward divisions, maybe in, in the North Africa, uh, as happens, there, there is some kind of activity there that is, uh, we call it quite negative in the, in the fun force uh, lingo. Negative people, okay. negative types. I guess my last question, the thing that's always kept me from putting my name on the dotted line is basic training. Right. I think I'm nervous about, uh, you know, what that would do to my body. I'm not in great shape. I'm going to be honest with you. So, you know, what is basic training like in fun force? Well, basic training in fun force has kind of learned our lesson from the other basic training. Uh, Obviously the army, uh, the Navy, uh, the air force, and particularly the Marines, uh, have fairly intense basic training, you know, 11 yeah. week cycle there. And, and it's not easy. There's a lot of uh, physical exercise. There's a lot of disciplinary training. There's, um, you'll be torn down. Uh, you'll be called names like maggot and loser. And, uh, judging from your voice, a uh, lard tub mm-hmm. or chubbo. Mm-hmm. And yep. this is hurtful and we know this and it's, it's useful in building soldiers who are going to go out there and, and fight. But if we're building a soldier who's just going to be out there to defend fun, it's going to be a different kind of training. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's all more about de-escalation. It's about inviting somebody over for coffee, about getting to know something you have in common with that person. Okay. You're not going to fight them. So you might as well talk about books you like. So it's okay. So like, so there's like library time and quiet time and free time and um, like maybe a manners course, some sort of like etiquette. Yeah, well, that's a weird way to pronounce it, but uh, yes, etiquette. And uh, and there's nap time. Oh, I that sounds really appealing because that's something I've 
I've mastered. Um, I just ended uh, a session, a training session of nap time, and I'm about to start another. Um, what's the pay like? The pay is a little bit different than you're probably used to. Uh, we don't do money. We pay an exposure. In, 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 like, uh, like to social media exposure to get more followers, that sort of thing. Well, we'll spend a lot of money on billboards. That'll say, what's your name? Uh, Tim uh, McGuffin. So there'll be a billboard, uh, somewhere in the country that'll say Tim McGuffin was great to work with, uh, from fun force. Oh, and you, you just kind of hope that that turns into a job. So if I, if I were to go apply for a job in Omaha, Nebraska, which I'm nowhere near, um, I would potentially get it based on the billboard you place there. Yes. Okay. Um, that's a really stupid idea. Thank you. Hey, Brian. Yeah. You know what we don't cover enough on this show? What? Music. You're right, Jack. We don't cover music. And I was just thinking that the other day. Well, why didn't you say that when I asked you what we don't cover? You just sort of punted it. I was practicing being a congressman. Okay. I've noticed that we don't do enough music, uh, as uh, clearly you have as well. Yes. And so I was wondering, you know, you listen to music, you know, the second a new album is released, you're downloading that sucker Mm. and listening to it, you know, you know, you go into your music room, you tell me, and, and, and just listen to music and songs over and over again. And so you know songs better than everybody. Wouldn't you say that's right? Absolutely. I love yeah. songs. Yep. Yeah. So you definitely know all the songs that have come out recently by famous artists oh, like yeah. uh, Paul McCartney, for example. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely in touch with Paul McCartney's work. I um Sure. And his newest work. Like like the an album McCartney three, which came out uh, just a couple of months ago in December twenty twenty. Oh yeah, so wondering what a Christmas yeah. gift that was. Yo, wow, that's so neat that you got that for Christmas. Yeah, boy, so you must know all the songs really well on that album. Yes, I do. <laughs> so you wouldn't be surprised at all if I asked you to tell us like what a song is about if I were to read you the title of an actual Paul McCartney song on McCartney three. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I've, I'm so well-versed in this album that I, uh, I could basically do this in my sleep. Okay, great, great. Um, so here's some actual songs from the McCartney three album. If you could just tell us, I'm so curious about, um, uh, track number four called women and wives. What, what, what is McCartney singing about there? Well, women and wives. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good, good. Well, I was wondering maybe for this segment, we would go like a little bit deeper yeah, and, and sort of like, you know, sort of dissect, you know, where the song goes, sort of like the path of the song instead of just maybe repeating well, the words of the title. Yeah, this is, you know, he's, he's older. He's older. Mm-hmm. He's in his 80s. And uh, Women and Wives is basically, you remember the song by the Nails called 88 Lines About 44 Women? Sure. Big 80s song. Mm-hmm. So women and wives is basically, he's just listing off. It's a canonical list of uh, every woman and wife he's had throughout his life. Okay. And so he's just, it's basically, you know, it's, it's almost a form of challenge. He's challenging other musicians to list off their accomplishments as far as it, with women and wives. Oh, nice. And so the song, you know, it, you know, is, Oh, and then there was Barbara and then Linda got, and I got married and then there was Kate and Stevie who's a girl and la la la. Yeah. And he just works his Mm -hmm. way through and it's incredible because I mean, I guess being a Beatle uh, made him uh, attractive to a large number of women. 
Well, that's interesting how that works. Yeah, that was, so it's a, it's a 14 minute song. It's a 14 minute track. Yeah. It's a wow. Very, yeah, it's the kind of song you know, DJs put on when they have to run to the bathroom because they <laughs> they don't want you know the record to to end and they're still in the in the stall. Right, 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 right. So 14 and minutes is plenty of time for most of us. Of just him listing his conquests. Yes. It's one conquest after another. And he'll make little rhymes about them. There was Debbie. Mm -hmm. She was a little heavy, but I let her take off my shirt. You know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> man, <it's>, he's, <laughs> he fat shames the women he bangs. <laughs> Some of them. Yeah. 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 Wow. Helen was like a seesaw. <laughs> I went up and down on her belly. Oh, I didn't like it because she's kind of smelly. She had fat folds she didn't clean. She never once would clean. And that is why Helen and I are no longer in a scene. <laughs> Boy, he rhymed clean with clean again and then with scene. <laughs> yeah, he's, he can do anything. Yeah. McCartney's magical. Man, I see. I see why everyone says he's better than uh, than <laughs> than John. Man, that's really good. And does he have uh, a, uh, a? You said there's some sort of crazy um, uh, lyric about um, how he uh, he swept Heather Mills off her foot. <laughs> yes. Um, how, how does that go again? Because <laughs> you definitely know this song. Who's that girl that's leaning, coming up to me? Oh my gosh, her name is Heather. Let us go and see. Shall I run up the stairs with her in my arms? Yes, because she has one leg. That's one of her few charms. And it just goes on and on. <laughs> one of her few charms? That's yeah. one of the main reasons he chose her? Yeah. Yeah, he's weird that way. It's a beetle. <laughs> That's so strange. Yeah, he's All weird. All right. Well, gosh. Okay, so that's an interesting song. I was wondering, um, that was track four. <clears throat> Let's go back to track two. Um, How many uh, tracks on this album? I forget. But you know it so well. That just slipped my what? mind. How many tracks oh, are on it? 11 tracks. Wow, that's a lot of tracks. It's a lot of things for you to remember right now. Yeah. Oh, no, it's easy to recall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, especially when they're, and you say all the songs are better than anything put out by the Beatles. Yes, uh, this puts the all the Beatles work to shame. Wow. If Michael Jackson were alive, he and realized he had bought the stupid Beatles albums, the songs and, 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 and realize what he's missing, but he's in a better place. <laughs> <laughs> right. There's a Dr. Feel good uh, around every corner where he is right that's now. Right. Yeah. That's cool. Um, I, was, <laughs> I was wondering if you could tell me about um, the song, uh, find my way. That's mm -hmm. so interesting. That sounds uh, you know, mystical. And, and I wonder what Paul McCartney is singing about uh, in track number two, find my way. Uh, well, it's, it's set in um, Aleppo, Syria. In, in where? In Aleppo, in, Syria. In Aleppo, Syria. Yeah. And so the premise of the song is uh, Bashir al-Assad dropped a, a gas a bomb, a nerve agent on his own people. And this is one of them. She's trying to get out of the building, but she can't see. She's been blinded. Mm -hmm. So it's about, you know, it's a, it's a song about finding her way and stepping over uh, bodies in the stairwell. 
Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> why? 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 It's so specific. Um, what? 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 You know, uh, brought this about? Well, he told uh, Rolling Stone that he wanted a song that would be popular at weddings. <laughs> Yeah. Uh-huh. Because it would make people think, oh, we're having such a great time. But, you know, thousands of miles away, here are these people having a terrible time of it. Just not, yeah. there's no, no buffet. There's no, no free just, wine. Yeah. Just a buffet of death and pain. Yeah. Finding my way. Okay. F- find, find my way. Yeah. Yes. Find my way. I remember. Find my way. Um, well, that's great. Uh, here's an interesting one. Thanks for that one. Um, and this is true. Uh, track five. Right after Women and Wives, which, you know, at, at, by the end of that 14 minutes, you, we want to hear something else. Right. A, a song called Lavatory Lil. Lavatory Lil? Track five yeah. on McCartney 3 is a song called Lavatory Lil. Yeah. And so, y- y- as you know, so you must know yeah. about it and you could tell us about it now. Yeah. So Lavatory Lil is a song. So this is about growing up in Liverpool. Mm. And mm. Uh, there they had bathrooms that were, and there'd be like a, a woman who would be in charge of them. Usually they're retired. Okay. Uh, they're re- retirement age, but it's just, you know, they, they kind of make sure the bathrooms are clean. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and uh, you, you go in after, you know, with, after your visit to the pub and you use the bathroom and then you, you toss a little coin there in her little dish and she okay. thanks you. And a lavatory Lil is, is about that and about, and he gets to know her over time. Uh, you go to the pub, then you know, go to the bathroom, leave her a coin here and there. And then at one point, uh, he was out of coins. Right. And he said, and he said, I, you know, I, I feel little, I feel terrible. I, you know, I don't have any coins to give you. And she goes, well, there's something else you could give me. Okay. What would that be? And she has no teeth. And he said it was remarkable. <laughs> so lavatory Lil is also, uh, in women and wives somewhere. Yeah, she is. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. There was, um, yeah, I'm trying to think where, where it was. I mean, it's earlier on cause he was younger. He was a younger yeah, no, lad. I know you've got a photographic memory, so I, I know you can find it. It was like 18 <laughs> or 19. You know, that mm-hmm. first there was that time with Willa, then my favorite love tree Lilla. Yeah. Track 11, the mm-hmm. final uh, track in the album. It's called, um, winter bird. When winter comes. Yeah. 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 Of course, you know. So I was just wondering, I, I'd love to know what that song is about it, to close uh, this album. This could be, we don't know. I mean, Paul is 78, not 80, which, you know, I'm sure a musician, uh, music fan like yourself actually knows. Yes, of course. But um, this could be, Yeah, he's an old man. This could be the last original song yeah. in his entire Epic catalog. Yes. So what is this song, Winter Bird, When Winter Comes, what is it about? It's about his friend, Steve Winter. And Steve is suffering from a terrible, terrible disease. Okay. Uh, that anytime he ejaculates, he turns into a pelican. Of course. <sighs> of course. So Winter Bird, When Winter Comes. It's, and it's sad. And, and Steve, of course, is very upset about it because it frightens the ladies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he's, he doesn't have a lot of uh, follow-up dates, if you know what I mean. 
Yeah, I know. Women are, are spooked when you turn into a pelican. <laughs> yeah, I, I imagine. You know, so there's that, <laughs> that grumble and growl and then the weird face. And then suddenly you're a, a bunch of feathers and your strange sticky legs. Yeah. Big gullet. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's a great way to make sure uh, you get yours and, and then don't have to put any effort into making sure that they've gotten theirs. Yeah. That's the only benefit, according to Steve, <laughs> is that he, and he literally just flies out of the place. Classic tale. And uh, the last song Paul McCartney may have ever recorded of original content. Yeah. Boy, great job, Brian. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jack. It's a pleasure. So, Brian, America is talking about this Sunday's, this past Sunday's huge interview on CBS between Oprah Winfrey, and I think I'm pronouncing that right, and Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. That's right. I they, mean, it, they got paid $7 million for that interview. Yep. So, uh, you know, and, and good for them. I, I've, I've been worried about those two not, you know, having enough. So, and it bothers me because I've been doing interviews for free. Really? Yeah. That's terrible. What? That's so terrible. Yeah. But I thought in, in the time of equity, how is that fair? I don't know. This guy, uh, Keith Malignac, he, he said, can I interview you? And I said, yes, you may. And there was no talk of me getting $7 million. So I need That's to maybe terrible. follow up. Yeah, I'm going to follow up with Keith and find out what, what's going on with that. And and that interview actually comes out on, on Friday. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, the 12th. But maybe it shouldn't. Maybe maybe Keith's podcast uh, shouldn't be listened to because he's not being equitable. Maybe I'm going to hold out. I'm going to say, did I sign a waiver allowing you to put my voice on the interwaves? No, I did not. Seven million bucks or no. Good luck with that. Hopefully, you. um, you know, I, I'll, I would say people should go listen to that, uh, to Keith's podcast. But now I'm going to say they shouldn't until they know that you've been compensated. I'm furious. I'm mad too. I don't even want to do this bit anymore, but, but we should, we okay, should. Let's do it. You know, what's neat about this Meghan Markle, Prince Harry interview is that a lot of people don't know that you work for Harpo Productions, Oprah Winfrey's production company, right? Yes, I do. I work for Harpo Productions. As an editor, right? I am an editor. Yes. Of, and you, you I've edited been, the whole interview. So you saw all the raw footage. Yeah. Oh God. And there was so much. So that's what I wanted to talk to you about. Yeah. All of the footage that wasn't aired, because mm -hmm. as always, as we know, you know, when, when DVDs or Blu-rays are released and there are deleted scenes and some of the scenes are like, oh my gosh, those, that's better or more interesting than what was in the movie. Why did they cut that out? Well, you were telling me in that text you sent me yesterday mm -hmm. that there's even, there's like 12 hours of unused footage with some shocking revelations. Yeah, because when you get paid $7 million for an interview, you feel like you got to talk. You just got to keep talking. Sure. You know, give them their money's worth, right? Let let us figure out what we want to keep and what's going to make the cutting room floor. Yeah. No, that's great. So I was wondering if you could just talk to us about um, some specific moments um, that didn't make it in the special. Yeah, sure. Mm. So you said there was a, there was a long um, segment about... Um, Prince Harry's uh, Halloween costumes mm -hmm. and um, you know, one costume when he you know, dressed up like a Nazi right. got a lot of press. Yes. This is probably 15, 20 years ago at this at point. Least, yeah. Um, but he, he has like a long line of, of other uh, Halloween costumes that um, you said they talked about ad nauseum. Can you sort of go through his, his Halloween stories? 
Yeah, uh, he he basically went one by one through all his different Halloweens over the over the years, and a lot of them are very controversial. Of course, the the Nazi one where he had the swastika armband that got a ton of press, and that's probably the most yep. well known. Uh, but there are so many others um, that he ta- he discussed. I mean, obviously, he dressed in blackface. That's a yep, given. Obviously, everybody has done that. Yeah, at some point, and. Uh, so, I mean, he kind of, he talked about that a little bit and, and apologized for that. Uh, he dressed as, as chairman Mao, um, and, you know, and then actually went down to Chinatown in, in London and, 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 you know, was, was walking, asking people if, if he was responsible for any relatives being deceased. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. That's his, really, yeah. He's a, he's a Halloween prankster. Yeah. Oh, that's. That's a weird prank to go scare Chinese people who have emigrated to London. Yeah, I know. He would walk up to him and be like, I found you. Oh my God. Yeah, you thought you could get away? And, and then, God. you know, these people would panic. That's a strange sense of humor. Well, you know, it's a royal sense of humor. He's got a lot of uh, pedigree, a lot of upbringing, a lot of blue blood. Yeah, of course. Classy. Not that classy. I, I seems problematic to me. Uh, any other Halloween costumes we should know about or Halloween um, incidents? Uh, yes. Uh, he went as John Bonet Ramsey. Uh, and what was terrible is he went to their Halloween party. And, and you know, almost <laughs> crashed the Ramsey family's Halloween party. Yeah. Almost unconscionable. I mean, I understand dark humor. Yeah, but I'll be, you know they they didn't see the 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 humor in it, um, and you know of course for the first few seconds they they were trying to be to determine if it was actually him. It's been a long time. She could be very big by now, <laughs> right? And With they, a a red beard. Yeah, and so they kind of you know, and once they realized that it was uh, Prince Harry, they were crushed. <laughs> well, I mean the glass is half full on this one. You're, I mean, you know, sure your daughter has been murdered, but it's. Prince Harry is just crash your Halloween party. Yeah, I mean, you know, the party guests were like, what's going on? And like, oh, this is uh, Prince Harry. And they're like, oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah, but he went as John Bonet. And they're like, oh my God, that's classless. But he's a prince. Oh, then he's classy. You know, it was one of these things. But he did. Yeah. It was a, it was a party that was talked about for a long time. I bet. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, I, I'm more of a daughter is half dead type of person. So it's like, I, I don't see it as being a, a, a good choice on Harry's part. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. Um, now you said there was also a lot of talk about, um, you know, Megan's work, uh, as a, a briefcase holder on deal or no deal. Yes. That basically, and, and it, apparently Harry went and like made himself a sandwich, uh, which is something he does now. Um, because Megan wouldn't stop talking about deal or no deal. She's very proud of that time in her life. So she says that was her finest work. She says, yeah, this was her greatest accomplishment. And then she actually, okay. she looks down at the child in her arms and then looks back at the camera and says, yeah, deal or, deal or no deal is my greatest accomplishment. Ooh. She's, uh, she's proud of that moment. Uh, there's a certain technique in opening those two. A lot of people think it's just like, so just, you just got to look pretty and open a briefcase. There's a lot yeah. more to it than that. And I think people are being very judgmental. They, they don't see the whole picture. It's not that easy. What, what more is there to it? The, the, you, you need training before you can just stand there and, and look pretty and open a briefcase. And a lot of people think it's, you know, it's like, you know, physics. They can just start doing it. Well, they, right. they can't. 
And that's, wow. that's why the space shuttle challenger blew up. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. God, they said, we need a guy to help us design this thing. And this guy was like, yeah, I can, I'm sure I can do it. And, oh. and now we know what happens. Man. So the next time someone says I can open a briefcase, you say, no, sir, you can't. That's right. Leave that to the experts. And then, then show my, my Kristen McAuliffe tattoo that I have on my left forearm. It's on your left forearm? Yeah. Because in Jehovah's Witness culture, a tattoo on the left arm is for people you want to be burning in hell. Oh, is that true? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Then that's in the right place. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah, astro- um, I, have no, I have no love for astronauts. No, or teachers. Oh, you want to get off this planet? Oh, go for it. But you said there was a lot of other that she just went on and on about um, some like some of the hijinks uh, at Deal or No Deal about Howie Mandel about how that he was her first and truest love and it's a good thing Harry wasn't there. So can you tell us sort of about some of uh, what was revealed there? Uh, yeah, I mean she she revealed you know she talked a lot about Howie Mandel and, and the relationship that they'd had for quite some time, uh, and that uh, and then they ultimately broke it up. Um, she claims it's because Howie Mandel is racist. Uh, he says it's because she's batshit crazy. Who are you going to believe? Yeah, uh, obviously. The, um, hold on. What year is it? 2021. I believe Meghan Markle. Exactly. You believe all women. Yep. Yep. Which wow. is uh, the Howie slo- Mandel's racist. That's a bummer. Yeah. By the way, believe all women is a slogan that Andrew Cuomo hates. <laughs> Loved it a while ago. It doesn't like it now. Oh, that's strange. I wonder what, I wonder what changed. I, I guess people evolve. I guess. Hmm. Um, okay. So, and, and, um, uh, any other set hijinks or, 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 um, highs and lows of, of her time with Howie, anything else that the public would be interested in knowing? Well, I mean, she loves heroin. <laughs> Jesus. Huge heroin buff. A buff. Yeah. No, she can, she can actually, yeah, they gave, they, Oprah took out four syringes. And uh, laid them out and she tried it one by one and she was able to, to pinpoint kind of like a sommelier can tell you where the grape is from, where in France or if it's in Italy or Australia. And, and she was able to discern where the heroin came from. Wow. What a talent. Yeah. That's really amazing. No, it, was, it, was, it was, it was impressive, but you know, it was, it was a little bit long for a segment. And ultimately, you know, it just, it was, it couldn't fit. We didn't have enough time Yeah, for 20 minutes of heroin. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's tough, especially with commercial breaks. There's a lot of stuff, you know, that you leave on the cutting room floor. Yep. And, uh, and Oprah asked her, you know, why do you like heroin? And, uh-huh. she, and she said, well, because I love the word heroin. Cause I feel like a heroin. And so, you know, I'm a heroin and I'm putting heroin in my body. What could be more heroic than this? God, she is a princess. Yeah. Oh man, that's inspiring. Um, a lot of stuff. Apparently, you guys wanted to put in the Meghan Markle Prince Harry uh, show on CBS was um, cut because uh, for legal reasons, because you guys were afraid of the Queen and the royal family's uh, response and their their lawyers. Because apparently, she said, uh, they, "I'm sorry." They both said so many amazing uh, things about the Queen. Yeah, they said that, great things about the Queen, but then they, you know, Prince Harry kind of opened up, and he just started saying, "She killed my mommy. She killed my mommy. She killed my yeah. mommy." Yeah, and uh, yeah, I know. And he did that so, for so, a while. So that's conf- he just said that for a while. 
he said she killed my mommy and and just became very kind of uh introspective. And uh-huh. then he got a phone call and and his demeanor changed and he said uh, I love my grandma. <laughs> so that's so interesting. Yeah. Wow. And and he apparently opens up about uh some of the queen's hygiene habits and some some curious things that that uh, they do to the queen to uh, quote upkeeper. Well, um, her skin has to be reapplied every morning because <laughs> a lot of it, she sheds skin and, you no. know, with advanced age, this happens. You wake up and there's a, a, a big sheet of skin on the floor <laughs> and you, you know, you're blurry eyed. Oh my God, where's that from? You look around, you see a little a missing patch. And that's when you call a Hargreaves. A Hargreaves? Yes. And who is that gentleman? He's the head skin putting on officer for the, in, in the queen's administration. Mm-hmm. So he's, ta- he knows where the skin goes. He knows her body, you know, better than her husband. Sure. At this point, things slip when you get older, as we notice, we've seen this with our presidents. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, as you get older, you start forgetting things. Your secretary of defense, where you're standing, don't pull the dog's tail, you know, stuff like that. All right. Well, yep. Um, well, thank you. Uh, thank you so much, Brian, for, um, you know, sharing some of these royal secrets. Thank you, Jack. I love having royal secrets. I love you having them. You might say I'm a royal knower of things. You wouldn't. You wouldn't say that because you would ruin the segment. Everyone had a lot of fun during that last segment. Then you'd say that and ruin it, ruin the fun. Well, that's royally disappointing. God help me. Jack. Yes, Brian. Monetizing a podcast. It's a dream, right? Uh, the dream. Well, I have an opportunity. Really? Yes. So apparently you can make money reading obituaries on your podcast. Oh, okay. Uh, So they just want you to read an obituary. And the only thing is it's solemn. You know, this is about death. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, you, you have to be courteous. You have to be respectful. And of course, mm-hmm. you you have to be serious. Yep. There's no, you know, laughing at the prospect of somebody being dead. So what they do oh. is they send you obituaries. You read them on ear. And if they're happy with the the read, you get paid. God, I, this is great. I'm very excited because this is a lot of, this is a potential revenue stream. Okay. So Jack, I'm going to yeah. send you the obituaries. Mm-hmm. All right. You need to read yeah. these. You need to be serious and respectful. This is obituary. This is about death. And if you do that, we'll get paid. Paid. Great. If you mess up, you're not respectful enough. We don't get paid. And they okay. want you to treat their loved ones with respect. Okay. I, of course. I, that's all I want to do. I'm, I I'm so sorry for their loss. And that's something I want to do. Let's do this. All right. And I'm sending you the obituaries now. Great. So can I just get a chance to read them ahead of time? No. This needs no. to be okay. done now. Oh, oh, I didn't know it was a... There's no reading ahead of time. It's not, it's not respectful. It's it's not respectful to read ahead of time? It it might help me. No, because they want your genuine, caring read. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm ready. I just got the obituaries, which I have never read before. That's right. I'm, I've opened it and I'm ready to go. Well, I wish you would. Oh, okay. Uh, Here we go. Hmm. Solemn. Solemn. Michael Bleary, 62, of Shankersville, Pennsylvania, returned to the loving embrace of the Lord last Thursday. Michael passed at his home, surrounded by his loving family, 
closest friends. And a man hired it. <laughs> I'm so sad for his loss. And a man hired as a roadside mascot for Picante's Taqueria, who is dressed up as a potentially problematic player. <laughs> as a potentially problematic blackface taco. Michael was born in Millsburg on August 24th, 1958, the son of Melvin and Amanda Bleary. He graduated from Millsburg High School, where he excelled at basketball. He was affectionately nicknamed Snapperhead because of his locker room habit of using his towel to whip teammates in the penis. After graduating, Michael enlisted in the U.S. Army and proudly served until he was discharged as a corporal. Afterward, he moved to Shankersville, where, being an entrepreneurial sort, he founded the I Have a Truck and Can Help You Move Your Broken Down Car Company, before later changing its name to Mike's Towing. Michael is survived by his high school sweetheart, Rebecca Hafferty, and their children, sons Michael Jr., Mikey, Mike Mike, <laughs> and Count Mikeula. And his darling daughters, Michaela and Nipple. <laughs> Their seventh child was summoned home to the Lord during childbirth, but had he lived, they would have called him Survivor. <laughs> Michael loved his family dearly. Even Mike Mike, whose outrageous and performative flamboyance makes Liberace look like Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> Michael was beloved by people who knew him. He truly touched everyone he met, though nothing was ever proven in a court of law. Michael faced lung cancer with a combination of bravery and incandescent rage. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. <clears throat> he could often be found uh, accusing Arthur Singh, the local convenience store owner, of complicity in his death for selling him... <laughs> unfiltered lucky stripes for so many years funeral services will be held this sunday in lieu of flowers please go to arthur's convenience store and make that son of a bitch pay for what he done did how'd i do not so good i guess we're not going to get paid for that one <sighs> are you crying sadness right it's sad yeah i'm Poor crying guy. sadness i'm crying sadness because uh, for the bleary's loss first of all first and foremost but also for the loss uh, of ours, for the money that we're not getting from yeah. the Blearies. Well, that's just one. You know what? People die all the time. Uh, the next one is right there. Here's our chance to make some money, Jack. Okay. Candace Bean, 88, of Shelby, North Carolina, passed on Wednesday after a brief struggle with driving off a bridge. <laughs> a teacher at Shelby Elementary for nearly 50 years. Candace is fondly remembered by her students and much of the community as a warm and caring woman who derived great joy at watching her pupils learn reading, writing, and arithmetic. She pioneered the Bean Method of Education, which helped students learn faster by telling them a dragon would chew their parents' heads right off if they got a single answer wrong. Candace was an avid birdwatcher and could often be found in one of the local public parks getting some exercise and a breath of fresh air. Her great joy was to gather her with close friends every Sunday for her favorite card game, ironically, Bridge. Candace had several cats as a result of a childhood illness that turned her ovaries into desiccated husks. Candace is survived by her beloved cats Mimi, Loverboy, Twiddles, and Penetrator Six. 
Candace was happily married to the love of her life, William D. Bean, for 42 years. William predeceased her by two minutes because their passenger sides <laughs> sank first. A memorial service will be held this Friday at the Shelby Elementary School Gymnasium. Donations in memory of Candace should be directed to the St. Francis Cat Refuge with the understanding that $8 buys the cats one more day alive. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> sad for Candace. Yeah. And sad for us. Yeah. Well, it's very sad for us. Uh, I'm sad for Candace, who, who ironically loved playing bridge, <clears throat> but also her husband. I mean, let's, I, I'm, I'm sad that, uh, you know, I'm sad that, um, uh, what's his name here? William, William Bean, William. I'm sad. I'm sad that William Bean doesn't get an obituary. It's, it's too bad that the family is playing favorites. It's tragic. Okay, All right, I'm well, ready for the next one. Let's yeah. get this money, Brian. Let's get this money right now. Respectful, serious, somber. Solemn. It's an obituary. Okay, obituary. I got this. I got this. Gene Ray Davidson, 55, of Prescott, Arizona, passed away unexpectedly Tuesday morning, right around the time residents of Prescott lost power. Gene loved his job as a linesman for Apps Electric, where he'd worked for nearly 30 years. He loved getting up early in the morning, donning the overalls he'd had custom-made with metal threads. And he loved working barefoot, eschewing rubber-soled shoes in favor of direct contact with the ground. Not a day went by that Gene didn't love throwing water balloons at transformers and prodding them with barbecue forks. He was a loving husband to Donica Mayweather Davidson and a devoted dad to Steve and Wendy. He could often be seen spraying them with water and pushing them into cattle fences. Gene loved that his job allowed him to enjoy the outdoors all day long. Whether uh, basking in the warm Arizona sun or threatening a lightning storm with a long metal pole, friends and family all agree he was at his happiest when he was out in nature. Gene was a man of faith, actively involved with Prescott Methodist Church. He loved country music, his dog Sparky, <laughs> and wearing a blindfold while working. His biggest dream was to meet Garth Brooks and hold his guitar while standing at a wading pool. A memorial service will be held Thursday via Skype. Cremation will take place at a later date when power is returned to the greater Prescott area. I think there's a screenplay in there. Could be. There's not money there, though. Yeah, I know. Gene lived, Gene Ray Davidson, 55, of Prescott, lived a strange life. He did. But you know what? He seems happy. He feels like he wanted to die. So in this case, I, I am happy for him. Uh, all right. Another chance. All right. I, I, I see that this is the last one. So this is my last chance to yeah. make some money for this podcast. Make some all money. Right. Here we go. Solemn. <clears throat> Martin Delasky, 97 of Levittown, Long Island, passed away peacefully on Friday at the Levittown Senior Rehabilitation Center. Martin was born to Miroslav and Greta Delansky in Warsaw, Poland in 1927. He was the youngest of five children. A resistance fighter during the Second World War, he was captured and imprisoned at the Buchenwald concentration camp. There, Martin teamed up with several doomed friends uh, for the Deutschlaff's Uber Allies improvisational comedy troupe. Martin and his constantly rotating cast of performers brought a lighthearted atmosphere to excruciatingly long roll calls, beatings, and reprisal killings. Shows typically lasted from 30 minutes until a guard gratuitously murdered one of the performers. When Buchenwald was liberated in April 1945, Deutsch Laughs put on a show for U.S. servicemen entering the camp. 
Martin pretended to be a shoe salesman with a foot fetish. <laughs> the performance was well received by the liberating soldiers until they noticed all the bodies and got sad. <laughs> Martin emigrated to the United States after the war where he worked for a, for a furrier. He married Yvonne Scholar in 1957 and had four children, Ziggy, Barbara, Joseph, and Becca. His children remember him as a loving father who used to wake up screaming that Germans were coming to kill him. Martin's passion for performing resurfaced after many years, and he formed the Levittown Laugh Senior Center Improvisational Comedy Troupe. Though we often told the same joke eight to 12 times, it was always received as though it was being heard for the very first time. Martin greatly appreciated that his audience often died of natural causes and not because of Germans. A celebration of life will be held at the Levine Memorial Chapel. It will be largely improvised, so please don't yell out used condom when they ask for the audience for suggestions. Well, I guess... He lived a long life. Speaking of long life, we have more chances. We have a yeah. long life ahead of us for, for you to make us some money. Uh, yeah. Just keeping a straight face when you read a freaking obituary. It's a little Dude, disappointing. I, like, if I could just read these ahead of time, I could probably control it's, it. It's not respectful. How is... Okay. That's a shame. <clears throat> All right. Well, re review the podcast. Please, you know, oh, or, or and, don't. and you know what? The, the new thing, Jack, they don't have subscribe anymore. They're, they're phasing out subscribe. Really? Yeah, Why? it's going to be follow. Because 47% of people who aren't familiar with podcasts thought that to subscribe to a podcast cost money. Oh. So they're changing the terminology to follow. So follow our podcast. So, it, so now people won't think they have to pay money. Well, I wish they would. That would be great. Yeah, subscribe to would. our podcast. <laughs> That was questionable material. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast. Follow. Make sure to review the podcast. Make sure to visit qmpodcast.com. 